0: Let's take our Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we are in verses 9 through 13. We'll be focusing attention this morning just on verse 11, but we'll read all of this again. Beginning in verse 9, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. I think there is a common conundrum of sorts that we all face in life, at least at some point. We will all face this in life, and that is sometimes we find ourselves working really hard on tasks and projects that we don't enjoy. Would anybody nod in agreement with that, right? You find yourself giving a lot of time and effort. Doing those things which, if you had your own way about things, you would not be doing that at the time. And that can apply to a vocational situation, a house project, some other uh, expectation or responsibility. There are some times we find ourselves giving a lot of effort. Stuff we just really don't like doing. Then there are times we, we really have something that we love, that there is something that is just a, it's near and dear to our hearts. If we could spend all of our time and money and resources on something, that would be the thing. We just don't have time to do it, right? And by that, I mean probably even something more than just, say, hobbies. I mean, those things where, you know, you'd ask the question, if you could do anything in life, what would it be? In fact, how often does it happen where what we are giving a lot of effort and time to is actually the very thing that we love doing. That's kind of the sweet spot of life, isn't it? I mean, when you find yourselves in those moments, and I don't know, perhaps they can feel kind of rare. Maybe they are, especially when it comes to a variety of responsibilities and expectations. When it lines up that I'm able to give time effort, work, to something that I really love. That's a great experience, isn't it? In fact, for a lot of folks, that probably is what keeps you going. It's the kind of thing that you're hoping that you might be able to give all of your time to. Undoubtedly, I would imagine our graduates this morning may even be thinking along those lines. What can I give myself to that both I can work hard at doing, yet at the same time, be something that I really love. This morning, as we continue in Romans chapter 12, I think Paul addresses this kind of thing. Maybe not that directly, and, and certainly not as it pertains to, say, vocation in life, or hobbies, or responsibilities, in the more broader sense, but Paul does address the issue of what it looks like when both work and passion meet up in what we do. In fact, I would suggest that Romans 12, verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, that this verse in many ways suggests an important principle. The best way to live the Christian life is to combine both work and passion in our service to the Lord. To combine both work and passion as we serve the Lord. This morning, continuing in, in verses 9 through 13, where Paul lays out for us a series of exhortations. Of faithful Christian living. What does faithfulness look like in the Christian life? What does it look like, according to verse 1, to be a living sacrifice? What does it look like, such as in verse 2, to give myself to that which is the good, perfect, and pleasing will of God? How can I do those things? And maybe we can even ask more specifically here this morning, what does it look like to be a fully devoted follower of Christ? What does it mean... For Christ to be my heart and soul. What does it mean to, to, to be a disciple that takes up his or her cross? and follows the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that look like? This is what I love about a verse like verse 11. It's really what I love about verses 9 through 13, and at the same time is the thing that I don't love about verses 9 through 13. It tells me exactly what it means. I think in an honest moment, every person here at one time or another would say, boy, it's easier when the Bible's confusing, because then I don't feel as convicted when I don't do it, right? But when it smacks you clearly, right? Right? In other words, where, where there's no room left to hide, when I can't wrangle with tricky Greek, or I can't rest on the pastor showing off his education and telling me, well, there's this view, and then there's this view, and you know, then I can sit back and say, Oh, well, the scholars don't understand it, so maybe I don't understand it, so it doesn't matter if I do it. It's not verse eleven. Quite frankly, it's not verse nine. It's not verse ten. <laughs> Or 12 or 13. These lay out for us what I think are really simple, straightforward expectations. And verse 11, I think, is a great synopsis of what a, the life of a disciple looks like. It, it, it's, it's a natural carryover from what we've talked about thus far. So the exhortations we've already looked at. Paul's already encouraged us that here, here's what a mark of faithfulness looks like. One, we are to be loving. So that was the first one, right? Let love be without hypocrisy. We are also to be holy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Last week we spent all of our time looking at what it meant to be kind. We are to be kindly affectionate to one another. Giving preference and honor to one another. And really I think in many ways verse 10 sums up what is a healthy Christian relationship look like? How should, how should I respond to brothers and sisters in Christ? It should be with brotherly and sisterly affection, right? Kindness. We should want to be together, by the way. It should be a part of what church life is about. And I even noted last week, you want simple biblical instruction for healthy relationships? Don't read any more books about it. Don't listen to any more talks about it. Do verse 10. Do verse 10. There you go. I gave you a lot of free time, didn't I? Right? In other words, I freed up a lot of your time. Now you don't have to obsess about it. In other words, if you want to know what does a healthy relationship look like, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. There'll never be a time. You'll get to the end of that and think, boy, I regret doing that. I wish I would have been harsher with these people, right? You're not going to get to the end of your life thinking, you know, you know what would have been great? If I had been unkindly disaffectionate, all right? In other words, that, that's what I want to be. I want to be unkindly disaffectionate. So neither one of those are probably words, but you understand. So verse 11, I think, functions in the same way. lays out for us what is a simple instruction then for personal Christian discipleship. And it can be summed up with the next phrase. If you want to take notes, here you go. We're only going to fill in this one blank, though I'm going to offer a couple of points here that are not in your notes. So they're not in the bulletin, but if you want to write them down, you can. And I think the instruction can be summed up be diligent. Be diligent. So you notice how in this verse, Paul lays out three phrases. I think they're all connected to one another. We'll note those. I think these are all intentionally connected. Just like the other two were connected, just like love was connected to abhorring what is evil and clinging to what is good, all three of these ideas connect and they lay out for us what I think is just just essential features of discipleship, summed up in what it means to just live a diligent Christian life. So what does it look like? All right, diligence and Christian living is a combination of, this by the way is what's new, hard work. I know what you're thinking, oh man, seriously, come on, pastor, Christianity's all about grace, right? in other words if to a lot of folks, what does that mean if it's all about grace? To a lot of folks, that means I'm just going to sit and wait on glory to come, right? In other words, it's a passive thing. Everything gets done to me. It doesn't really matter. We can all just be, you know, wonderful messes and glorious wrecks or whatever the language is out there in the Christian world today. It makes everybody feel better about their sin. By the way, is that is what is going on in the evangelical world. Let's just all get together and feel good about feeling bad about our sin. Now, We can certainly draw a lot of strength from the weaknesses we all experience, but let's not wallow in it, right? Instead, what should we do? First phrase in verse 11, not lagging in diligence. Do you know what that means? Not lagging in diligence. Man, that pastor's smart. It's gotten cooler, so now he's smarter, I guess, right? Not so hot. I mean, it it is pretty straightforward. There's really nothing to fiddle with here. Not lacking in... I do think it's interesting Paul goes negative to make this comment. In other words, he could have have stated it positively. He could have said, be diligent, right? But he didn't. He said, not lacking in diligence. Now, right off the bat, you know what that tells me? That tells me something really important. This is a legitimate thing. In other words, lacking in diligence is a real concern. The the potential to not give effort and work is a legit problem. In fact, this would be a much different sermon, and we'd be done here in just a minute, if the sermon topic were this, how to be the laziest Christian you can be. There'd be one point, and then we'd leave. You know know how you can be the... You ready for this? You may want... You all are looking. Oh, how can we do this? You know how you can be the laziest Christian you can be? Do nothing. That's why laziness is so easy, right? Because how... No one ever says, you know, man, I give a lot of time and effort and work. I put a lot of effort in to sitting and doing nothing, right? In other words... To be lazy is by kind of definition to not do stuff. That's why it's really easy. Laziness is easy, and it can happen in the Christian life. We can lag in diligence. Just like you can lag in all kinds of areas of life, right? I mean, there's all, there's all kinds of spheres, and whether it's vocation or relationships or uh, home life or church life. Uh, you know, in other words, there's, there's all kinds of ways that we can, we can lag Life can bring us down. Our own sin and rebellion can bring us down. There's all kinds of ways that we can do this. Paul, I think, recognizes this, and so the instruction in the negative, to me, is really helpful. We could even state it just like that with the language of laziness. Don't don't, don't be lazy. Don't be complacent. Let me state it a different way. Don't assume that discipleship and growth in Christ likeness is just going to happen. If that were the case, the New Testament would not have a few thousand commands in it, right? Why else would we have even exhortations in the first place? They're there because though, now don't, don't misunderstand this, the means by which I am saved, in other words, the, the fact that I am right with God, and, and you, we have made this clear throughout Romans, that's why you preach Romans in context, in order, verse by verse, uh, no, no matter how long it takes, even though our, when we started this, none of our graduates could drive, all right? So that just kind of puts it in perspective of how long we've been in Romans. Okay. Okay. That's why we do it in order, because I don't want to to give the impression when Paul says, not lacking in diligence, he means about your own salvation. He doesn't mean that about the means by which you're saved, the means by which you are made right with God, is nothing other than God in His sovereign grace saving you in Christ Jesus. What effort do I give to that? I don't. I don't work for that. I don't earn that. I don't do these certain things that God says, okay, you got it, you got it, you got it, good. Here you go. You're now redeemed. As I've said before, when it comes to the transaction of salvation, I do the sinning, He does the saving, right? This is His, his work. However, that should not be misunderstood because then post-conversion, now with the presence of the Spirit, now as a redeemed child of God, a new creation in Christ, I now possess the resources needed to live in faith. That takes work. Effort. I don't apologize for this, by the way. We should be giving our effort to Christian living. Do we, though? I mean, do we really think in these terms? Do we really think when it comes to, say, hard work... In fact, let me ask you, you don't have to answer this, obviously, but when I read that phrase... Not lagging in diligence. When I use the phrase hard work, how many of you automatically assume I'm talking about some kind of work ethic that's grounded in a Judeo-Christian worldview? For how many folks was that kind of your go-to thought? Now, don't misunderstand this. I believe in a hard work ethic, the Judeo-Christian worldview that promotes it. It's one of the reasons for the success of this country, right? And so we should work hard. We should, we should be hard-working people. But Paul's context here is specifically about our Christian walk. It's about our obedience. When he says not lacking in diligence, he means let's not become complacent in the living out of our Christian faith. Actively engaged. And hard work. I, I, I wish it were just easy, by the way. I wish it just came naturally, right? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great if after salvation you just woke up and bam! It's just just all faith and obedience all the time. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great if tomorrow you woke up a little more faithful than you were today and the next day a little more faithful and the next day and the next right? Wouldn't that be great if if your life was just, just that? But it's not. Your life looks like the stock market, right? I mean, doesn't it sometimes? Doesn't it look like that? In fact, it looks like that where you you have these dips and you think, wow, will this ever go back up? But then it goes back up and you think, whew, glad I'm through with the tough times. Doesn't that happen to us? That's not the way this thing works. We recognize there are dangers and challenges to Christian living because there's nothing about the way the world is organized that is organized in such a way to encourage your Christ-likeness. You recognize that, Right? There's nothing about the way the world is organized that it's going to help you be more like Jesus. So let me ask you, when it comes to your own Christian walk, do you work at it? Is it something you give effort to? say, well, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, let's take something as simple as church attendance. Uh Uh-oh. Is it something that we do when we get the time? It's just an example, by the way. In other words, is this a priority for me? Do I recognize that a big part of my quote-unquote work, my diligence, is not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together? Do I believe that? Or does just about anything else take precedence if it comes up? For whatever, whatever thing, whatever thing may come up. I'm not saying there aren't legit things that I recognize could take you away on a Sunday morning but my guess is it's not as many things as we typically think it might be. <laughs> Bible reading? By the way, you're, you're going to get standards here, all right? You're not, this is not going to be new to you. Are we diligent in that? ah, Pastor, I tried that for a week and it didn't work. Prayer? And fellowship with God's people? How about this one? You ready for the G word? what's the G word? Giving. Oh, no, I just lost the rest of you, didn't I? Right? It's like, all right, that's it. I said too much now. It's all fun and games till he mentioned my pocketbook, my money, right? Okay? How we give. How about this one, what about personal evangelism? What about verse 10? Being kindly affectionate to one another, giving honor to one another. Are we diligent in that? But this is what he's getting at, not lagging in these things. We we need to be engaged in this as a as work, commitment. Do we have this? However, it isn't just work. It isn't just sheer obligation and duty. Because he adds another one. And that is a genuine spiritual zeal. Notice that next phrase. Not lagging in in diligence fervent in spirit. In other words, if you're all diligence, guess what you're going to be? Burned out. If it's all mere duty at some point, just being dutiful and doing that the obligatory thing out of that kind of motivation, eventually that will break you down. And so Paul appropriately wisely, then offers this next phrase. Yes, not lagging in diligence. Sometimes this thing can be hard. Sometimes we do have to give an effort to it. It's doing the right thing and the Christ-like thing may not always generate happy, content feelings in us. Sometimes we, just, we have to be diligent. But it's not just that alone. We also want the heart for it. Fervent In spirit, the word fervent literally means to boil over. In other words, it's talking about the energy that is required then to to bring water up to boil, okay? So that it would then overflow. That's the language that's used here, this, this genuine zeal and passion. And again, notice his location in the spirit. Some may, you know, think this refers to the Holy Spirit. Some may think it refers to our spirit, the New King James has the word spirit there with a lowercase s, which means our spirit. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Both those things are essentially the same thing. Fervency in my spirit is a feature of the presence of the spirit. It is because I have the Holy Spirit given to me the moment I got saved. It is because of that that then I am able to live with a fervent spirit. It is in Him that I can be zealous and passionate and care about these things. So it isn't just I want to work hard at something I don't love. It isn't just that I want to love something I don't work at. I want to work hard and I want to do it with real heart. Fervent spirit. Genuine devotion. A real zeal for the things of God. Again, this is another one. There's nowhere to hide from it. Are you fervent in your spirit for the things of God? I don't mean your thing. Right? I don't mean your thing. I mean the things of God. People of God, the Word of God, the glory of God, the gospel of God. Am I zealous and passionate? And and if there were to be a moment now of honesty in your own mind and you were to say, no. But then we got a couple options here. One, it's possible you need Christ as your Savior. In other words, you may not have fervency of your spirit because you don't have. His Spirit. In other words, you've you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior. and That, that of course, would be my plea to you, that you would recognize that you are a sinner and separated from God, and that only Christ, by His death and His resurrection, is able to save you, and that the forgiveness of sins, the being made right with God, the being given a new Spirit, being given the Holy Spirit, that only comes through submission to Christ and by faith alone, trusting in God's Grace alone, in Christ alone. We just sang it. If you've never done that, that's where it begins. That may be why there is no fervency or diligence. Maybe say, No, Pastor, I've done that. Let me suggest something then to you. Now, maybe this is a bit of, of opinion, all right? Maybe. I, I rarely think my opinions are actually opinions. <laughs> uh, in other words, you, know, so you say, yeah, Pastor, we, uh, we know that. You should talk to my family. All right, anyway, yes, okay. I just, I just think, though, based on experience and the way I see things, I, I can tell you the greater engagement you have with the things of this world the harder it will be to maintain fervency and spirit. Now what I mean by that is not, because here's what then people hear. Oh, well I guess that pastor, I guess he doesn't want us watching movies or watching TV or doing fun things at all. I, I know, that's a logical fallacy to argue that way. I know why you do it, I know why we do it. We hear something we don't like, we take the opposite, and that makes us feel better about not listening to the instruction, right? Well, I guess I just can't do anything, well I don't believe that. So now I'm just going to keep doing whatever I want to do. I'm I'm just saying, the more engagement you have with the things of this world, the harder it will be to maintain fervency of spirit because there's nothing in this world that encourages you to love Christ. I'm not saying that means everything about this world is to be ignored and rejected altogether, all right? I'm not even going to use this as an opportunity to rant about social media, all right? Though you may say, well, pastor, that's a microaggression to even say it in the first place, all right? perhaps but, but I do think the instruction goes well though that we would think about this that what could be the cause of a lack of fervency it could be unconfessed sin in your life it could be unconfessed sin in my life in other words if there's, if there's a lack of fervency that could be it there could be a lack of fervency because I'm not engaged in those things which feed the spirit I'm not engaged with God's people I'm not engaged with His word I'm not engaged in feeding my heart and soul those things that are conducive to a boiling over. You and I should not expect to continue to do the same things we've always done and expect a different result. If the things we've always been doing don't lend itself to fervency of spirit, the only thing I know to tell you, church, is to do something else. I mean, that's not profound, right? It is just what it is. So we want to combine these things. We don't want to lag in diligence, though it can be, it can be easy. It can be a real thing that we could lag, we can become complacent. We want to be fervent in spirit, all for the sake of this, the third one. And that is service to the Lord. And that's what he says, serving the Lord. Genuine service. If you want to look at what, what comprises then effective discipleship and growth, Following Christ, fully devoted followers of christ it 's a pretty good picture don 't lack don't don 't lag in being diligent, be fervent in spirit, and in all this, what are you doing in service to the lord here 's what 's interesting about that phrase the word serving it 's the same form that in romans one one Paul used as a noun when he said paul a bond servant of jesus christ it's the same root word when he says serving the lord you say well pastor what's the significance of that here here's a a bit more striking way to say that you ready not lagging in diligence being fervent in spirit enslaved to the lord uh pastor i like serving better Let's go back to the serving. I get that. That is what he means here, by the way. That is the language. It is the language of slave. Slave to master. I, I, and I say that, in, you know, in regard to the particular Greek-Roman culture of the day. That, that is it. Paul, Paul recognized that the nature of his life was viewed through this lens. He was no longer his own. The moment he was redeemed by Christ... He no longer had his own time, his own money, his own gifts, his own talents, his own priorities, his own vacation or vocation. This is a little slip coming into summertime, right? In other words, he didn't have any of those things. These did not belong to him. Everything about him was owned by God. And everything about him was to be managed in service to him. Is that the nature of how I view my life? Another way to put this is, do I view my life as being in submission to the Lordship of Christ? Diligence. Diligence. Hard work, spiritual zeal, genuine service. This is the nature of Christian living. This is the nature of faithful discipleship. Yeah, there could be a lot of other things you add to that, right? But I mean, I think verse 11 gives a lot to work on. So I ask you, Is this the nature of your walk with the Lord? Would you say this identifies your own discipleship? And if not, maybe you would want to take time as we'll sing together. Maybe you'd want to come here and pray. You'd want me to pray with you. You can pray where you are. Say, Lord, I I do want to be a hardworking, zealous, serving disciple of the Lord. Again, let me just get really pragmatic for you. Are you going to get to your last day of life and think, wow, all that was a waste I wish I had been lazier. If I could go back and do it again, I would have binge watched a lot more stuff. I mean, is that is that really what's going to be a priority when we get to the end? When we get to the end, are you are you gonna are you gonna wish that you had loved God less? Are you gonna regret your service to the Lord? So let's just be really pragmatic. Well, of course not. So are you living in this kind of service to Him. Of course, for some, as I just said moments ago, maybe you've never trusted in Christ. And if you'd like to hear more about that, I'll be right down front as we sing together, as we will stand. And after I pray, I'll be down front. If you'd like to hear more about what it means to trust Christ as your Savior, then I would love an opportunity to share that with you. Let's stand together and I will pray. And after I pray, we will then sing together. Father God, we do thank You for gathering us. We thank You for Your Word. We thank You again for its clarity And we pray that we would be this kind of disciple, not lagging in diligence, being fervent in spirit, serving you. Father, I pray that you by your spirit would bring your word to bear on our lives, that it might do in us what you have designed for it to do, that you might be glorified by your people. That's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.